The Strange Case of Dr. Jockel and Mr. Tanisan. In spite of being the owner of a vast multinational company, Tanisan showed zero interest in Tanisan Industries, other than as her own private toy box to be ransacked as and when. Every once in a while she would descend on its towering T-shaped headquarters in Nishishinjuku, randomly fire a few executives, insult the CEO and generally disrupt the smooth running of the operation. Yet on one such occasion she just happened to be in the area shopping for a new pullover and had popped into the lobby to shelter from the rain. Everyone recognised her straight away and took it to be an impromptu inspection, whereupon they immediately organised a tour of the departments for her. So as a hair appointment wasn't until four, Tanisan decided to play along. However, to make it more interesting for herself, she tried to catch them out with awkward questions. Questions that were so obviously ridiculous, they would get all flustered and confused. How many people in so-and-so department had false teeth, she would ask, or what percentage of pencil breakages was due to over-sharpening. As they emerged onto the 50th floor, she noticed that there was a meeting going on in the main conference room. There was the CEO, Captain Uehara, and several other board members attending a presentation being given by a pair of visiting scientists, who were hoping to secure some part of the investment budget that Tanisan Industries set aside for new research projects. The temptation that this presented to Tanisan was simply too much for her to resist, so she promptly abandoned the guided tour and barged in before anyone could stop her. What are you all plotting in here? she asked, grinning playfully at the senior management team. You're usually plotting something. What is it and can I join in? Answer the second question first. Everyone in the conference room just about managed to maintain their rictus grins, all apart from Uehara, that is, who made no attempt to disguise his feelings. Slumping despondently in his chair, he sighed heavily and proceeded to massage his temples. As he knew from bitter experience, a surprise visit from his troublesome business partner could only mean one thing. No one would be getting any more work done for the rest of that morning. Tanisan always enjoyed his reactions. Budge up, she told him, before he could slump any further. With a weary air, the captain abandoned his seat at the head of the table and took the chair immediately to her right, which forced everyone on that side of the room to move down one. This took a moment or two to sort out, and at the end of it, the bald executive at the far end suddenly found himself both hairless and chairless. So come on, said Tanisan, who was game for anything. What's it all about? One of the scientists, the spokesman for the pair, looked at the captain and realised that he was now going to have to explain the whole thing again, right from the beginning. Oh, uh, well, yes, he said. Well, I am Professor Toyoda, and this is Professor Takagi. We're from Urawa Quantum Computing, and we're hoping to acquire 80 million yen to capture an elementary particle known as a snurk. Come again, said Tanisan, leaning forward. A snurk, repeated the professor. A snurk, mused Tanisan. No, I don't think I've ever come across one of those, although it sounds as though it could be a nasty little devil. I assume you'll be using a net of some sort. Uh, no, not exactly, said the professor. You can't catch a snurk with a net. Tricky, are they? asked Tanisan. Oh, well, yes, uh, in a way, said the professor. Very tricky. 
Uh, but we've been working on this project solidly for the last three years, and according to our calculations, we should be able to suspend it in a lattice of bosoms. I see, said Tanisan, who had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. Well, just make sure that you put some holes in the top so that it can breathe. It doesn't breathe, snapped the captain. It's a particle. I don't care what it is, said Tanisan. I'm not having the animal rights people coming down on us like a ton of bricks. Remember the yellowtail fuckwit? No one needs that noise. Now, she went on, turning once more to the professors, I assume that once you've trapped it with the bosoms, you'll feed it the lettuce. That much I understand. So assuming that it all goes according to plan, what's next? Well, that's what's so exciting, said Toyota. For the first time ever, we'll be able to observe it. Just observe it, said Tanisan with a shrug. A yes. So you're not even going to ask it any questions? Uh, no, said the professor. Simply being able to study it under laboratory conditions will be a massive step forward. You have to understand that snark research is entirely theoretical. We're not even sure that such a thing exists. So let me get this straight, said Tanisan, counting off the items on her fingers. You don't know what it is or if it exists. You don't know how to capture it, and you don't know what to do with it even if you do. So why should you be allowed to have one in the first place? Get a rabbit or something. Next. At this, the poor little scientist looked at the captain for support, but all he could do was to shrug apologetically. And so utterly crestfallen, they turned to leave. Once they'd gone, a scruffy-looking individual entered the room, carrying a battered briefcase. The greasy salt-and-pepper hair hung limply over the thick specks. As for the countenance, it brought to mind a Japanese pond frog that had missed the lily pad entirely and landed on a very angry bee. Oh dear, remarked Tanisan as she sized this item up. Look at what the wind's blown in. Uh, this is Dr. Heiji Joko, explained the captain, referring to his notes. He has PhDs in medicine and pharmaceutical science and is the founder of Hide Pharma based in Kyoto. He's developing a serum that may prove efficacious in the treatment of certain psychiatric disorders and is asking for an investment of 35 million yen to begin beta testing. I have an aunt who thinks she's Audrey Hepburn, said Tanisan. She rides about on a tractor all day in a black Givenchy evening dress. She could be your first subject. Ah, well, I very much doubt it, said the doctor, who was one of those shy, quietly spoken backroom bods. She sounds to be a woman of few inhibitions. You can say that again, remarked Tanisan. She's forever telling policemen to go and boil their heads. Yes, well, you see, my serum wouldn't have much of an effect on a person like that, said Jocko, adjusting his specs. What it actually does is to bring out the repressed or underdeveloped side of the personality, the part that is usually beyond reach. In psychiatric terms, this may prove an invaluable tool in the treatment of trauma and psychosis, while in healthy subjects it could help an individual to realise their full potential, revealing talents and traits that they didn't even know they had. Says you, came Tanisan's sceptical rejoinder. I can, in fact, prove it, said the doctor. He then set down his briefcase and clicked open the catches. Reaching inside, he extracted a pair of slender vials, containing some colourless fluid. What I have here, he said, are two doses of the serum that I have just described to you. The first I shall take myself to show that it's safe. The second I shall offer to any volunteer who's brave enough to explore the limits of his or her potential.
Tanisan pointed to the timid little executive at the far end of the table, the one who'd lost his seat in the reshuffle. Yet even she had no idea as to the risk this jocko was about to take. Up to that point, he'd only ever tested it on rats, all of which exhibited dramatic changes in behaviour, especially one female who gave up breeding for shopping and pilates. Removing the cap from the top of the little tube, he downed the concoction in a single gulp. Then all at once, the angry bee that he had so far been sitting on multiplied into an entire swarm. Letting out a fearsome roar, he jumped up onto the table and began tearing up any papers he could lay his hands on. Then, grabbing the bald executive by the ears, he planted lots of wet kisses all across the top of his head. Moments later, two security guards came bursting into the room, so the good doctor ran the length of the table, launched himself into the air and went crashing through the 50th story window. A fall like that would have killed any ordinary person, yet shortly afterwards he was spotted down below, running away across Tanisan Plaza. Unlike her management team, who were all in shock, Tanisan was deeply impressed. As the effects of the serum began to wear off, Tanisan awoke as from a deep sleep. The only thing that was completely different was that she wasn't in her cosy bed at the time. Instead, she was standing in an open doorway, looking back at another lady of a similar age. In those first few disorientating seconds, Tanisan believed that she was in her own house, looking out. Whereas, in fact, the opposite was true. She was outside somebody else's house, looking in. In the interest of clarity, I should explain that this other house didn't belong to the lady she was looking at, but to her 85-year-old mother. Tanisan had rung the bell only moments before coming to her senses, and this daughter had answered it. Yes? asked Tanisan, as if she was the one who'd been summoned. Yes what? asked the daughter. What is it? asked Tanisan. What's what? said the other lady. You rang the bell. What do you want? asked Tanisan irritably. What do I want? asked the woman. I don't want anything. What do you want? Nothing, said Tanisan. What would I want? You want me to tell you what you would want, said the lady. No, of course not, said Tanisan. Why would you know what I want? You don't even know what you want. That's true, agreed the lady. Or at least I think it is, she added doubtfully. So what do you want? asked Tanisan. No idea, said the lady. You? Not a clue, shrugged Tanisan. But then the lady who was not Tanisan seemed to realise something that was fundamental to their understanding of the situation. Oh, wait a moment, she said. I know what this is. You're one of those lovely ladies from Senior Watch who give up their free time to check up on the old folk, make sure that their alarms are working and that they've got enough food and so on. No, said Tanisan with a frown. Yes, you are. I've seen you around, said the other lady who was already heading back down the hallway to the kitchen. Just wait there a second, she said. I'll ask Mother if she needs anything. Tanisan scowled as she watched her go. The barefaced cheek of it, she muttered. Do your own dirty work. Just then she realised where she was, just a couple of streets from her own house. So before the other lady had a chance to offload any of her familial responsibilities onto her, Tanisan made herself scarce. Mrs Tanny! Mrs Tanny! came a shrill voice as she approached her own front gate. It was her next-door neighbour, Mrs Nakajima. I just wanted to thank you, said Mrs N, for preventing Haruto from running out in front of that truck the other day. Mrs Ouya saw the whole thing. That boy never looks where he's going. He could have easily been killed. 
Feeling a little queasy, Tanisan acknowledged her thanks with a cursory nod before making her way to her front door. Why on earth would she have lifted a finger to prevent that dreadful little tick from falling under the wheels of a passing juggernaut, she wondered. Yet it was Mrs Nakajima's use of the word easily that really grieved her. Her growing suspicion that something somewhere was seriously awry found further confirmation when she happened to catch sight of herself in the hallway mirror. Gone was the functional hairdo and the two-toned smock, only to be replaced by a neat bob cut and a sensible lady's blouse. For several moments, Tanisan just gazed at herself, utterly appalled. Then, as if to dispel the repellent image, she ruffled her hair and rushed upstairs to change into something more in keeping with her unique sense of style. When she came down again, she decided to have a large piece of chocolate cake to steady her nerves, but she paused mid-mouthful, having suddenly clapped eyes on a brand new wall planner that was pinned up next to the refrigerator. Somebody else must have put it there for the very simple reason that Tanisan didn't plan, at least not in the conventional sense. Yet the facts pointed in the opposite direction, for it was her writing all over it. Indeed, that week alone was chock-a-block with appointments and activities. 7.30 to 8.30, serving breakfast at the refuge for the not-too-unseemly homeless. 9.30 to 10, reading to the orphans. 10.30 to 12, shopping for Okasan's old ladies' things. 1.30 to 3, comforting the fat. 4.15 to 5.45, cleaning up the poo at the women's support, crossed out, animal rescue centre. 6.30 to 8, making dinner for Okasan and patiently listening to her opinions. What is this nonsense, muttered Tanisan, appalled at the prospect of being somehow mixed up in all of this tedious do-goodery. She glanced at her wristwatch. Today was the 17th. According to the planner, there was a big press conference taking place at Tanisan Industries in just over an hour's time. There must be some reason why she'd noted it down in red and underlined it twice. And so hoping that it would cast some light on the current mystifying state of affairs, she decided to attend. Having instructed her taxi driver to wait for her at the drop-off area, Tanisan emerged onto the south side of Tanisan Plaza and made her way across the concourse towards the company headquarters, where various journalists and television crews had already started to gather. Then they all surged forward as one as Captain Uehara emerged from the lobby to make a statement. To avoid the scrabble, Tanisan clambered up onto the top of the Tanisan Industries sign to the right of the main entrance. However, for one who was usually so on top of any given situation, she was not at all prepared for what followed. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, began the captain, thank you for coming here today. I'll try to keep this short. Now, I've spoken to the shareholders and to Mrs Tanny herself. In a private conversation that took place between us yesterday, she expressed her sincere wish that our fisheries division should go ahead with its plan to form a long-lasting partnership with Chinese national fisheries in Beijing. Our two great fishing fleets, working together, can perhaps lead the way towards greater understanding between our nations, setting an example to the entire world and safeguarding the sustainability of our oceans for generations to come. At this, Tanisan suddenly stood bolt upright. What? she said, her voice lost beneath the general hubbub. I never said that. I never said that, she then repeated, appealing to the various members of the press. I said, ram them. I said, send them to the bottom of the sea. Unfortunately, 
None of the newspaper people noticed she was there, as they were entirely taken up with the CEO's announcement. What is more, continued Uehara, she has requested that some of the profits from this merger be used to establish a Tanisan foundation for sharing nicely, to promote peace, harmony and reconciliation among the nations of the world, so that they may set aside their petty differences and work together to solve the many challenges we shall face during the course of this century. Now, this was the absolute antithesis of everything Tanisan stood for. She was a great one for the differences. The pettier, the better. And to hear this philosophy propounded in her name was very upsetting. In fact, this entire day was turning out like a bad dream. Or a poorly scripted episode of The Twilight Zone, at the very least. Ah! She went, having suddenly found herself cut off from the spoken word by the sheer frustration of it all. Then, ah! She went on to explain, violently shaking a nearby bush, which probably didn't deserve it. It was then she noticed that someone was watching her from a distance. A short, bespectacled figure with a broad face and salt and pepper hair. He was standing in the middle of Tanisan Plaza, peering up at her with a look of surprise and recognition. Tanisan seemed to recognise him too, although she couldn't say where from exactly. Nonetheless, she had the feeling that they'd met only recently, and that he may have something to do with her current predicament. Hey! Hey! she called out as she scrambled down off the sign. At this, the little man turned and ran, so she chased after him. Shedding a hairpiece as he dodged between pedestrians, he made his way towards a van that was parked at the far side of the plaza. So then Tanisan diverted to the pull-in, where her taxi was waiting, and jumped into the back. Follow that van, she barked. She'd always wanted to say that. Just as she'd always wanted to say, don't even think about it to a fleet of flying saucers that was just about to land. Heading left off Route 4, the van made a sharp right turn and went in through an automatic gate. It carried on through into a courtyard and stopped outside an anonymous-looking building that housed one of Tanisan Industries' low-security R&D departments. Tanisan told her driver to follow the van through. She then jumped out and marched straight into the building as if she owned the place, which, well, she did. At the other end of the corridor, the man from the van saw her coming and began whimpering as he tried to insert a key into a lock. But by the time he managed to get the door open, she was almost on top of him. Indeed, she barged straight through before he could slam it shut behind him. Ah! he croaked, and in a fit of panic, threw all the little packages that he was carrying up into the air. It's not my fault. No one forced you to take the serum. You did it yourself. What? snapped Tanisan as she edged around the workbench that she had tried to interpose between them. What serum? What are you talking about? Y you really don't remember, do you? said Jocko, for it was he. Three weeks ago? The day of the interviews? When I came to your office to demonstrate my breakthrough? Just then, Tanisan had a vivid flashback of those precise events. You jumped out of the window and ran off across the plaza, she recalled. And now, as her memory began to reboot... She saw herself sitting in the big chair at Tanisan Industries, looking down at the second vial of the serum as it lay on the conference table before her. Then I drank the other one, she remembered. I did. I drank it. At this, she turned on the doctor again. So what went wrong, she wanted to know. Why didn't it bring me out of my shell and make me more assertive? Yes, I think I should probably point out at this juncture that Tanisan had been labouring under the illusion that she was far too nice for her own good, and that it was because of what she called her shyness 
and her modesty that other people took advantage of her. That's not what it actually does, Jocko tried to explain. As I said at the time, the serum's function is to bring out the underdeveloped side of the personality, the part that is usually beyond reach. In my case, it liberated the aggressive impulses, uh, whereas in you, well, <laughs> it did something else. Something that has been immensely beneficial to each and every one of the 341,000 employees who work for Tanisan Industries, came a voice from behind. Tanisan spun round and saw a tall figure standing in the doorway. As it stepped into the light, she recognised her long-suffering business partner, Captain Uehara. From his podium at the press conference, he'd seen her chase Jocko across the plaza, put two and two together, and followed them there. When I saw how the doctor's drug affected you, he said, I realised that there was an opportunity to change the fortunes of this company once and for all. You may not appreciate this, but while you've been fannying around with sea urchins and Nazi chocolate, I've been working day and night to make this business everything it is today. Yet every time I have things just the way I want them, you come swanning in off the street and change it all. You like it, said Tanisan. I do not like it, barked Uehara, whose denial was perhaps a little too forceful to be taken at face value. For years I've just had to sit there and bite my lip while you swagger about the place, bullying my senior management team and issuing ridiculous orders. But now I've got you exactly where I want you. The captain took another step into the room and smiled. Look over there, he said, with a nod to the tall white cabinet in the corner. See that refrigerator? It's stuffed to the brim with all of your favourite pies and pastries. There's enough in there to keep you going for weeks. Only now did Tanisan realise that the packages Jocko had brought with him contained a selection of super delicious cakes from the Tobu department store. She watched with hungry eyes as he took them over to the refrigerator and set them on the top shelf next to a ridiculously large chocolate pudding that was wobbling about on a plate like something from a joke shop. You see, we knew the effect of the serum would eventually wear off, the captain explained. We just didn't know when. So in order to ensure that this Chinese merger goes ahead unimpeded, we set this little trap for you. You'll remain here until the deal is signed. Then when you finally do re-emerge, having no doubt scoffed the lot, you'll be as you were before, as each and every one of those irresistible confections has been laced with the good doctor's serum. At that dosage, however, the change will be permanent. Believe it or not, Tanisan was actually very pleased with this arrangement, because it presented her with an interesting new twist on the game that she and the captain were always playing, and put her in a situation of mild peril. A situation that she could not only enjoy for itself, but could also take great pleasure in finding a way out of. So, uh, I take it that you've never had the courage to try it yourself, she remarked in passing. What? asked the captain, who was already halfway out of the door. The serum, said Tanisan. I've tried it. Jocko's tried it. The only person who hasn't is you. And I must say I find that very telling. What do you mean? asked the captain, who simply couldn't ignore this provocation and stepped back into the room. Well, said Tanisan, as you know, it allows you to become everything you can be. Aren't you interested to find out what that is? Uehara shook his head. Not really, he said. I'm happy as I am. Or perhaps you're too scared, suggested Tanisan, regarding him craftily out of the corner of her eye. Scared? Of course I'm not scared, he said. 
Why would I be scared? Scared of what? Scared of losing your nerve with the Chinese, taunted Tanisan. Scared of exposing the soft, sensitive, bow-wearing creature that lurks beneath the surface. What I like to call your inner Abigail. Why do you keep saying that, complained the captain, who quietly enjoyed being very irritated by these constant slights on his manhood, which was precisely why Tanisan kept saying it. I am not an Abigail, and I can prove it to you here and now. Doctor, he barked to his frog-faced co-conspirator, hand me one of those vanilla pecan eclairs. Do you think that's wise? queried Jocko. You don't know how you'll react. They are French. Just do it, ordered the captain, holding out his hand. So then the doctor handed him a Gallic sweetmeat, which he folded in half and stuffed straight into his mouth. There, he spat through a face full of cream. No, Abigail. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm expecting a call from my new friend, Mr Wang, from Chinese National Fisheries. So then he and Jocko left her there, trapped in that ridiculous room. Straight away, Tanisan began looking around for an escape route, yet all the time she could hear the sweet strains of the heavenly choir of cakes calling out to her from across the room. Finally, unable to resist their siren-like draw, she wandered over to the refrigerator and opened it. Automatically, a hand went out to a slice of chocolate-glazed hazelnut mousse cake, but then she snatched it back at the last moment and slammed the door shut. All the same, the pressure inside her continued to build until at last she let out a yowl of frustration and thumped the front of the fridge with the sides of her fists. There was a loud clatter just above her head. Tanisan looked up, and saw that her repeated banging had dislodged the grill on the ventilation duct behind the appliance. Quickly, she moved a stool around to the side of the refrigerator and clambered onto the top. She could just about squeeze through, being, as is now well established, on the decidedly small side. But before that, she threw herself on top of the fridge and stroked it lovingly. Oh, how I hate to leave you, she moaned. Crawling through the narrow tunnel, she emerged into the adjacent room where the door was wide open. They hadn't really thought this through, she reflected, as she climbed down by means of a nearby workbench and raced out into the courtyard, where her taxi was still waiting for her. On entering the lobby of Tanisan Industries, she spotted the obnoxious Jocko hanging about at reception, so she marched straight over and tapped him on the shoulder, at which point he spun round. I don't think it will surprise you when I say that he was more than a little alarmed to see her again, especially so soon. Where's Uehara? Tanisan demanded to know. Uh, no idea, said the doctor, backing away, as you would from a disgruntled honey badger that had its eyes fixed firmly on the family jewels. He, he said he had to do something and drove off in his car. Just then, one of the charming young ladies at the reception desk put up her hand to attract Tanisan's attention. Uh, beg pardon, Mrs. Tanny, she said. Sorry to disturb. It's Mr. Wang from Chinese National Fisheries on the line. He'd like to speak to Uehara-san, but he's not here. Uh, would you like to take it? No, I don't think so, said Tanisan. But would you please tell him from me to kindly get stuffed? and that I'd rather eat the still-steaming droppings of assorted barnyard animals before entering into any kind of a relationship with him or his organisation. Thank you very much. With that, she headed straight out to her taxi and made her way across town to the captain's apartment in Minato Ward. Unfortunately, he wasn't there. So Tanisan went back again the following day. 
Still no captain. However, as she was heading back home to Wikibukuro on that second afternoon, something caught her eye when her taxi pulled up at the traffic lights. Just across the street, there was a ballet school. You could see all the little girls practising their first and second positions through the picture window on the ground floor. Yet one student in particular towered above the rest. Dressed in a blue short-sleeve leotard with a scoop front and a full seat was that rugged seafarer and hard-nosed businessman, the captain. Hardly able to believe her eyes, Tanisan paid off her driver and dived straight into the nearest convenience store to buy some snacks. She then spent the rest of that afternoon sat on a bench outside the ballet studio watching him gracelessly lollop about. She even took a few photographs, with a view to using them as leverage at some point in the future, but on the whole was quite content to sit there and enjoy the spectacle, knowing full well that while Dr Jocko's remarkable serum wouldn't go on working forever, it might at least last until the captain had achieved his grade one.